Conscious Collaboration brings together entrepreneurs, changemakers, and thought leaders. We aim to highlight the people that embody the idea of aligned mind, body, and business. Each week, we share, discuss, and learn from the various experiences and ideas of our guest experts. Through our discovery, we find a path to an aligned mind, body, and business. At the Conscious Collaboration Podcast, we are proud affiliates of Atapa medical grade red light therapy devices. Red light therapy boasts a long list of clinically proven benefits, many that I and many of my clients have experienced firsthand. You can be sure that you'll be able to train harder, recover faster, and sleep better with Atapa red light therapy. Visit myatapa.com, M-Y-A-T-A-P-A.com, or use the link in our Instagram bio to shop with the code COLLAB15, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-15, for a discount on your device. What's up, guys? I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. And I'm Michelle. And we are The Conscious Collaboration. Welcome, welcome to our podcast today. First and foremost, we just want to thank you guys again for all of the reviews, all of the comments, sending us questions and emails. We are so grateful for all the response we have been getting. We so much enjoy putting out all of this content to you guys and just ask to please keep the questions coming. Again, like, subscribe, download, share, review, all the things. We really, really do so much appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. With that being said, today is actually a question uh, one of you listeners have sent to us. Today, we're going to go into the discussion on imposter syndrome, which is something we see, you know, in entrepreneurship and in our businesses. So first let's kind of talk about what does that even mean? Like what is the definition of imposter syndrome? Yeah, right. So we weren't even quite sure when we had ever even use the term imposter syndrome for the first time. So just taking a quick Google out there, Oxford Dictionary or Oxford Languages uses the definition of the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. And used in a sentence, people suffering from imposter syndrome may be at increased risk of anxiety. And I think this is really, and then as you said, Michelle, too, this has been really heightened and increased as we've been delving into entrepreneurship at different levels in our careers. But it's something that everyone experiences several times in their life path journey. Let's talk a little bit about what does imposter syndrome mean to each of us and what has been our own personal experience. Start with Emily. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have felt it. For me, it shows up like as a concern that you're going to wake up one day and everybody's just going to realize that you're a fraud. You don't know what you're doing. It defies logic, right? Because the logical mind could, and, and I think that's why they say this happens with high achieving people, right? Because you could look at your achievements, especially if you look back to say some starting point for 
whatever it is you're working on. And, you know, of course, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you couldn't have gotten from point A to point B if you didn't know what you were doing, or if you weren't, you know, applying yourself to knowing what you were doing. So it doesn't make logical sense, but it can affect how you perform very much. So, um, and I've experienced it certainly in various aspects of my life, definitely since becoming an entrepreneur. And that is almost further fueled by the fact that I didn't have any business education or experience to speak of before embarking on starting my own business. So, you know, there's a very real thought there that like, wait a minute, like I actually don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and Emily, how long have you been in business with Iron Yogi in the studio? Since As 2018, I've had my business for four years now. Yeah. Not brick and mortar, but I've had my my LLC for four years now. So, you know, logic would tell you that being able to keep something going for four years would mean that I do in fact have some idea of what's going on and that I'm not in fact a total fraud, but nonetheless, it creeps in for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think I definitely go right there along with Emily. The whole part about feeling like you're a fraud, you don't know what you're doing, especially when you're really new into something. So I'm going into, I guess you would say starting into my second year, just kind of past my first year of this business journey. And, you know, starting a business doesn't necessarily mean the minute you say I'm going all in that you have a gazillion clients and you know, you're doing all the no. things. The first year is just trying to figure your shit out, like, you know, figure out, you know, who you are and, and what you're trying to do and, and, and what works. And so when you're brand new at something and you learn a new skill and you're trying to go out into the world and do this, even though you know that you're naturally already, you know, good at it, it's still really hard to overcome that. And, you know, it does, it brings up anxiety and it brings up all kinds of other issues. I think starting a business in general is this whole journey of like uncovering all the shit that's just kind of been sitting underneath for a long time. Like you're on autopilot for a long time. And this is, this is definitely going to be for another podcast, but you know, it brings the first thing that comes up is the imposter syndrome, you know, like who the heck do you think you are to go out and do this? You know, mm -hmm. you don't know what you're doing and yada, yada. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. And this isn't even beyond entrepreneurship, Michelle, this isn't the first time that you've had to, uh, let's say like put your persona out there and really stretch and test the limits in a big way because in your past, right. I don't even know within how many years, but within, I think since the 2000s, you said that you had a career in music. Yeah. Yeah. So the one thing that I never, so when I was on stage and everything, I was good because I was standing in my absolute truth and power and, and like my natural ability, but anything else around that, it's always like when I recorded in Nashville, you know, I'm sitting there next to Elton John's <laughs> piano and like Leanne Rhymes had been in there and had a bunch of stuff signed. Like it was a big time studio. And I'm like going, who the hell am I to be in this studio? I, you know, and I was, again, 
just like with starting a business at that time, I had like a very short amount of time to pick out five different songs. One of them I, I co-wrote and they were all different styles. So they're trying to kind of figure out who I was as a voice. And so it felt so weird just singing all these different things and just being there in general. Yeah, totally. And I think the other thing that ties into the imposter syndrome is really your self-worth and confidence. It really screws with that. Even if you're super confident going right out the gate, the minute that starts popping up, it's like your confidence level gets a little shaky and you know, it all, you know, if you don't have good self-worth, it's going to really rock that boat. So it's actually a good thing though, because then you can heal all that stuff. What about you, Lisa? How has it come up for you? Yeah. So I don't think I started using the term imposter syndrome until I embarked on the entrepreneurial journey with my two business entities. But I did experience it in the corporate field, just in moving up the corporate ladder and promotions and being thrown into something that was not necessarily my entirety of skill set, but my experiences translated. Like you were saying, Emily, you know, it's, it's all of your experiences show that you're capable of doing something and it should, and you should realize that, but sometimes it's a title or just doing even just that feeling of doing something unknown that can make you question who's letting me do this. Like how many times in (laughs) your adult life are you walking around and you're like, who's watching me? Why? Who's letting me do this right now? Yeah. (laughs) But it's this feeling of like a little bit of like jumping out of an airplane and knowing when to pull the chute on your own. And it's exhilarating, but terrifying at the same time on many levels. And I experienced it more often as an entrepreneur than in the corporate world, because in the corporate world, I felt like I would settle into a role and I would be there for quite a while. And then as Michelle alluded you get into like an autopilot nature of things. And it's like this comfort that I now find a little dissatisfying for me that this autopilot is also, I guess this would be, you know, the part two of this, if we ever delve in this area again, but that causes its own anxiety in a situation because there's like an angst that you're not growing enough. So it's this balance, this extreme need to bring into harmony these, you know, you don't want to, from one extreme, you don't want to be complacent or not utilized to your fullest extent. And on the other side, it's, you know, terrified to be stretched beyond even what you can fathom, because there's no frame of reference sometimes for what you're about to do. So for me, that's really my experience of imposter syndrome. I found really being connected with other entrepreneurs in Facebook groups. There's some international groups out there and women in particular, the women groups I found, and I know that men experience this too, but I think it, it's a little bit more, and maybe it takes a different path in the conversation about imposter syndrome, and maybe it comes up in different ways, but I found everyone really started to open up about like, raise your hand if you're experiencing imposter syndrome today. And it really just created such a buzz and so much support around that people started opening up and saying, you know, Hey, I've been in business for X amount of years, and this is still something that I experience. but in my own businesses, I found, and it's different stages as you scale and expand that it will creep back up again. So, and I'm not as experienced as perhaps as as you two are in any sense of like entrepreneurship, but I think my businesses are a little older than three years. And I find, even though I have a great foundation, and even though I have these 
practices and systems created, and I've done them a number of times, and I know they're effective, and I know that everything is achievable at each level where I take on something newer or grander or expand, it creeps back in again, like, hey, you're like, and again, like, who's letting me do this? <laughs> Especially yeah, if think, I'm trying something new. I think every time you up-level it definitely comes back. Or if you're like going to change your pricing up your pricing for your packaging or, or whatever it is that you're doing. I definitely think that that, yeah, I've talked to business owners that have been in business for years and they still say they get imposter syndrome all the time when they're getting ready to go to the next level. Yeah. And when you're bringing in your team and, and you need to show up as a capable, confident leader too for your team. So Lisa, I think you touched on something interesting there. And that is that, you know, there was a certain point in time that you were even introduced to the concept of imposter syndrome, which is interesting because as high achieving people or just people in general, we can identify times in our whole lives where we experienced it. I can think of, for example, starting off my nursing career, like, (laughs) you get out of nursing school and I start my job on this really like specialized unit. My first ever nursing job was on the neurointensive care unit where I had been doing my, my preceptorship. And it was like, yo, did I even go to nursing school? Like, did I even learn anything in nursing school? Like, why is this okay? There's people, you know, handing me supplies as they drill into someone's skull. And I'm like, I'm like, what, what is going on here? Why do you think it's okay to, to put all this responsibility in my hands right now? But at that point in time, because I was not, I guess, because I was not in the entrepreneurial space, which is where this seems to be talked about, I didn't know that there was a name to it. You know, you just experience all these like fraudulent thoughts and feelings, and there's not even a context to know that this is like a normal way to feel or be. Because I don't think I was even first introduced to the term of it until a little later in my entrepreneurial experience, maybe after the first year or so in talking with a friend of mine who was a business owner for a little bit longer than me and who said, you know, yeah, he still, he gets it all the time and it's like debilitating at at certain points. And, you know, this was a person that by all visible measures was quite successful in his business. So I think it's important to have this discussion to put a name to it for people who might be experiencing this, even if they're not entrepreneurs, to know that it's it's normal, it's common, and that there are ways to work through it and get around it. Can I ask a question too? You mentioned your friend being male. Do you feel that imposter syndrome shows up the same in, in men, the same as in women, or is there a difference? I mean, I remember in the way he described it, I, it was pretty relatable to me. You know, it was, and we are in similar roles, I guess, not just as business owners, but like our type of business. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, But perhaps (laughs) as women, you know, generally kind of already having a veil of like, who does she think she is? to navigate through just as a woman in the world that probably at least enhances the feeling of imposter syndrome, maybe. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, I think that's an interesting discussion that maybe we can bring into future guest 
you know, interviews, I think that we should delve into is because it, it keeps resurfacing this topic. Obviously, we each experience it at a different cycles continuously. Yeah, for sure. What about you? When did you? Well, I guess you kind of told us when you first heard about it. What about you, Michelle? I would say so kind of along the same lines as you, Emily, as far as like way back in the day, I was also clinical and I can remember, you know, going through school and all that. And then they just like throw you out and your first day <laughs> in the hospital and you're like, what? And <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> and, and, and take care of people. And I don't know what I'm doing and I might kill somebody. No, really no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 but you know, it just definitely, but not realizing. So then not knowing that imposter syndrome was an actual thing. Instead, it was like, oh, I'm just having anxiety. It's just my anxiety or whatever. I did not realizing. And I think it was about probably five years ago when I started really deep diving into the self-help world and business and knowing that I wanted to do the, you know, to start a business, hearing the word and, and starting to hear people speak about it. I definitely think it's become a lot more prevalent in the more recent years. Also, I feel like there's been a, like a stigma around it and not so much now as it was before to be more accepting of it. And, you know, just, yeah. So do you think there's a connection to imposter syndrome and your anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. I think it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, so you're having an anxious feeling about not being good enough and it's, giving you another form of anxiety, like, oh my God, mm -hmm. they're going to find me out. And, you know, so it raises the anxiety to a whole nother level, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it is actually, you know, a real phenomenon that people go through. So, mm -hmm. and I do think though, with the imposter syndrome, unlike some types of anxiety, you know, it comes and it goes, it ebbs and flows here. So you, there's different things you can do to work through it, obviously, mm -hmm. but there's definitely a connection to that for sure. Mm -hmm. I think there's triggers too. Yes. For certain people, like certain things will trigger the imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 100%. And that can go all the way back to you know, childhood trauma to anything that you've experienced in your past can trigger mm -hmm. that and bring it up. Mm -hmm. Again, I think a lot of that ties into your grounding, your, your knowing who you are. A lot of times when you're first starting a business, like I was alluding to earlier, you're unsure really of who you are, your brand, what you're trying to do. And so you're kind of, you know, your self-worth is probably not, I mean, not everybody, but at least in my experience, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and then that brings immediately that up and it's those limiting beliefs. Yeah. Well, and I would definitely say since doing a lot of work on my self-worth that the pangs of imposter syndrome have at least become more easily silenced, <laughs> you know? Well, I think like you said too, being able to name it and give it a phrase gives you the ability to like really say, this is what I'm like putting a name to it. Then you mm -hmm. can name it. And you know, mm -hmm. when it shows up again, it doesn't make the anxiety any less really necessarily. It's more just maybe the cycle of it is a little bit more condensed or recognizable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can kind of get to a point where if it does come up, you can be like, oh, well, that's just my imposter syndrome. Oh, there she is again. You know, she is again. Right, thanks for showing up, but uh... <laughs> for sure. So, and I, I think 
judging by, you know, the people in our lives who are experienced and successful business people and, and otherwise who still experience it, I think that tells us that, you know, it will be a lifelong friend kind of thing, that it will continue to rear its head, that as we go along, we can find better and better ways to cope with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think it's just a matter of your brain wants to make sure that you have all the boxes checked whenever you're in an uncomfortable situation. So when you're moving into something new, or like we said before, up-leveling, you know, it gets Mm -hmm. scary. And then that's when all of those things kind of, so, I mean, there's actually, there's so much, even just talking about imposter syndrome, I feel like we could have a bunch more podcasts just branched off of it with self-limiting beliefs and anxiety and all that. Cause it all kind of goes together with it. Yeah. But like you said, it is good to know at the same token that you're normal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but, <laughs> but you know, it happens. Says, nobody ever accused me of being normal, honey. Yeah. <laughs> it happens to the best of us though. Right. It does. It does. I think. And I it, almost feel like if you're experiencing it, then you're doing it right. Yeah. Well, it's like they say about going on stage, right? Like you should be a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> it just means that you care about your results. Yeah. And if it's um, fearful, mm-hmm. well, majority of the time now, granted, don't do anything that's going to be harmful to you. But mm-hmm. if you're feeling internal fear as you're moving towards something that's new and scary, then you better keep going because you're going in the right direction. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's almost like a, if you flip it, it's like, instead of a red flag, it's like a good, it means, Oh, I'm going in the right direction. It's another breadcrumb. <laughs> right. Give me but more imposter. Be, yeah. <laughs> but it can be, if we don't have the tools to manage it, it can be very debilitating and it can cause like, you know, what it paralysis, paralysis by analysis. By analysis. Absolutely. You're just overthinking everything and, and you, you don't produce anything because you're, you're too fearful to move forward. So I think it would be good to talk about some of the ways that we have found to help ourselves manage it might be a little bit different among each of us, but hopefully that way our listeners will be able to find bits and pieces that might help them as they work through it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were talking, a couple things came to mind. So before we had the term imposter syndrome, I remember hearing a lot of phrases like people saying sink or swim, right? Like this is new sink or swim. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sink or swim in this. And that was really, really common, but saying it that way also, I felt was, is also like a little, it's not as beneficial. Like it doesn't put a name to it. And it's almost kind of like derogatory in a way to to like Mm -hmm. yourself. Can you cut it? (laughs) Can you cut it? Are you going to sink? Are you going to swim? And the other thing is in managing this like sink or swim that I experienced in in 20 years and working in in corporate is people would say, well, it's not like, and this is funny for you guys, because you come from clinical in live television, we would say, and everything in live television is scary because you're, you're doing it. It's like unfiltered and you don't know what's going to happen. And someone better hit the red button if something is said wrong. But we used to say, well, you know what, to put this in frame of reference, it's not like we're out there trying to save someone's not dying on the table right now, guys. Right. That's what we used to say in live television. 
Um, <laughs> so code blue. <laughs> when you were talking, okay, I'm about like sometimes your... we did say that though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sometimes they were. <laughs> yeah, but like you really did have that happen in the clinical world. But that was like our go-to like phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey guys, chill out. It's not like someone's dying on yeah. the table here. We're just going to get through it and it's going to be great. And it would be, and we would have confidence and then do it again, you know, rinse and repeat kind of thing. But yeah, so in talking in terms of like how we each, you know, manage this anxiety that surfaces time and time again with imposter syndrome. And we were talking a little bit before, you know, I had pulled a few cards to put some framework around what we were discussing today for divining of the Yi Jing, the book of changes. And it referenced the energy of pushing upward, which is earth above us and wind below. So if you can imagine like a tiny sprout below the ice that needs to break through and eventually sprout up and become a tree or a flower. And that little sprout believe it or not, it can crack through rocks even sometimes and, and ice. And if we were that sprout, it would be, it would feel near impossible, right? To make it up towards the sun and to sprout up there. So in managing this anxiety caused by imposter syndrome, really what, what drives me through is just that continual inertia or that continual movement towards the goal. And even if it's little things, so the more that you can take even the tiniest steps towards something that feels impossible you're not going to get anywhere by stressing out about it, right? So it's more just start doing it. And even if it's very, very small in that direction, and it starts to become more and more comfortable, like Michelle was referencing too, doing something for the first time, of course, you're going to feel excited and nervous because there's no frame of reference around it to know what you're experiencing isn't going to kill you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So just those like tiny motions, tiny movements each and every day towards your goal and really just, you know, getting comfortable with it, envisioning that you're doing it, envision the outcome as if it's already happened, almost like reflecting backwards is really like my go-to in terms of overcoming the anxiety. It's, it's like, you know, in any project, if I'm, for example, right now I'm working on a, on a whole house project on an insane timeline <laughs> and it's really fun and there's a lot of moving parts in it and we're all really excited you know all of the people collaborating we're all very excited we all have a shared vision but it's almost like getting in that place of like shared vision from like when it's completed and then reflecting back backwards okay we did it and reflecting backwards and then filling in the step mm. so a lot can be said by and you talk about this all we both talk about this all the time is like that intention and everything that you do mm -hmm. yeah. yeah what about you uh, emily so you know we've been talking about like fuck it energy a lot <laughs> lately yes. that's kind of what i was thinking about while lisa was talking i mean there's a lot of concepts rolled into this but it's like looking back on what's already been achieved before, looking back at, you know, quote unquote failures that have turned out to be just fine at the end of the day, or maybe even to lead to something better. It's like really moving forward with, I don't want to say what's the worst that could happen, but you know, like it's all these scenarios that we're imagining are just not real unless we create them to be so. So mm -hmm. it's just got to be like, fuck it, you know, like I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's part of it. And then also came back to like what I thought about in the moms episode that we did recently, 
in, you know, thinking about pulling up the strength to carry on when things seem really tough and and really unmanageable and, and like there's too much going on, you know, coming back to that faith that the universe is conspiring in your favor and that even though this feels really, really uncomfortable right now, that's temporary and just continuing to take that action and move forward in good faith that whatever the outcome is will be in your highest good helps you to do that too. So, I mean, all that, the ability to shift my mindset that way all kind of came with this self-development journey to expand my spirituality and and really build up my self-worth. So being able to manage those things in a separate sort of mission has really carried over into managing the inevitable imposter syndrome that pops up with leveling up. Yeah, for sure. I think also for me, one of the things I've had, because I've definitely been one of the, the ones that have gotten the analysis paralysis, Mm -hmm. you know, um, definitely spiraling to a point where I can't make a decision. And so I have to take a week off just to, Mm -hmm. to recenter myself because you can really go down that rabbit hole where it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. And with imposter syndrome and anxiety, it's like, is it the anxiety that brings the imposter syndrome or the imposter syndrome brings on the anxiety, but whatever, they both come hand in hand. So I think one of the biggest lessons that I've been learning is just along with what you girls have also said is taking action no matter what and do it messy, get rid of the perfectionism. I know perfectionism is huge and in myself. And so rather than making everything perfect and pushing things off, just doing them and, and Mm -hmm. whether it's messy or not, you know, like you said, it, it all kind of works out in the end. And I think too, um, kind of like when you're manifesting, you, you think on the thing you want, but then you let it go and you kind of disassociate from the outcome. So I think also not putting so much pressure on myself to be this specific person that, I feel like is supposed to look or act or whatever in the the role I'm playing and Mm -hmm. just relax a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of let go and relax and just do something one foot in front of the other. Detaching from the exact outcomes, not micromanaging the exact outcomes and how it looks to get there is exactly. I think surrounding yourself with the right people and at least making, you know, even if you've got people who are around you who maybe aren't as supportive, even if it's not in a malicious way, there's, you know, people who are well-intentioned, but who can be discouraging, (laughs) right? In different subtle ways. So I think being able to acknowledge where that's coming from, even if you can't eliminate it from your life, completely and to sort of filter the input (laughs) that you're allowing from those people is huge and definitely intentionally surrounding yourself with people who you know elevate you and encourage you and bring out the best in you yeah and I also I think too (laughs) yeah I think too that it is also important if you're able to I 
strongly believe if you can hire like a coach or someone, if you, especially if you don't have that support system to Mm -hmm. kind of help you unpack. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To kind of help you unpack some of that stuff and guide you along the way. And also let yourself, if you do get to a point, because my coach that I work with has to tell me to do this. Like she literally just recently told me, I need you to take a whole week off, do nothing related Mm -hmm. to your business as bad as you want to like give yourself grace to take that time. If you've gotten yourself such an a tizzy, Mm -hmm. you need to kind of just recenter Mm -hmm. and it really makes a difference. It's not going to set you back any further, you know, just take that time for yourself. So as our feng shui business consultants, what about some feng shui oriented tips for people to help counter imposter syndrome? Well, I think you started the discussion on a really important one and it's, and Michelle and I have been big fans of addressing helpful people energy because you really Mm -hmm. do need that tribe around you. We reference it a lot in our conversations, but to have that person who's already walking the walk perhaps in what you're doing is really, really valuable to have aligned with you. So you can see some frame of reference exists because everything that we desire exists on some level and being able to, I mean, if, if you're really great and imaginary and you can be a visionary and you can see this for yourself, great, but even better having that person there is great, but also become that person for someone else. Mm, and that yeah. will help you grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this, you know, we're all teachers to one another teachers and students. And so that helpful people energy, we talk of like at length about, and I think it'll be continual as we're talking about collaboration. And you always want to call in your helpful people is that front right area of your home or your workplace or your workspace, any front right area. And that area contains an energy. It should contain a dominant energy of metal. And that's a real easy energy to represent. Obviously, any metallic object or anything that's round or spherical. We talked about globes being a great item to add in this space, and it's very practical. And I think so, just continue that practice of placing something with intention of metal, make sure it's dominant metal there, and that you don't have too much fire, not too much red or controlling, powerful, punchy flame colors there mm-hmm. that might control. Or if you think about a torch can, you know, metal will yield to it and you don't want to, in a time of, it will melt it. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to over control the energy of metal when you're in a time that you need to overcome your imposter syndrome. And on top of that, think about the energy that you are trying to portray to the world, the people that you're marketing to your, um, your team, if you're a leader, that energy that, and Michelle has some great tips on this too in the back center of your home or your office and workspace is the area of fame and reputation. And we haven't really talked too much about this, but it's a really beautiful area that it should be very much attuned to your own personal authenticity. How do you want your energy to be received by those around you? And place something with intention in that area. It could be something that is like a candle of actual fire energy. It should be dominant fire here. So bonus points if you have a fireplace there, by the way, but, <laughs> you know, stoke your fire there. And to that point, like add in some wood objects, something that add, represents wood or plants, because that will help to stoke that fire that you're building. And with that intention, you really, that will connect to a level of your consciousness and awareness of like, this is me. This is what I'm projecting. Perhaps during a time of imposter syndrome, 
you play something really solid, like even a pyramid crystal would be a great thing to place here because it has that pyramid represents fire in feng shui. And so a pyramid crystal would be like an unassuming, like beautiful object to place. It could be whatever your favorite color is, even because it represents fire and it's solid and it's strong and confident and place it with like, this is the big energy I'm bringing into this imposter syndrome to overtake it. Yeah. And you could even go one step further. If, if you so felt called, I actually personally did this in my fame and reputation section. You can create, you know, a picture of yourself of, with either wording or in a space of where you're trying to go or not trying where you are going, I should say. And I literally did that and framed it. And every day I walk past that space multiple times and it's <laughs> there and I see it. And, you know, I have a picture uh, right there that says, go your own way. That's, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> so, you know, and it could be like, you know, on a cover of a magazine, you could create yourself or something, anything, or a picture of you doing something that you dream to do in the future. So that's super helpful. And then I like what Lisa said as well with folks that are doing the things you are doing already, because your brain is just trained to find, to prove you right. Right. So if mm. you are looking for someone already doing it to prove that this really can happen and you're, you know, you can connect with that person then it's constantly in your, you know, in your eyesight and your viewing that, well, they're doing it. It's right there. There's your proof. And then your brain will keep seeking out more of that truth because that's all it wants to do is, is find what you're looking for, find the truth and prove you right. A lot of people think your brain wants to prove you wrong because you're getting negative things, but it's only because you're believing that. So your brain's finding more of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. when you, when you like, you see a red car and then you see a gazillion red cars, your brain's just trying to prove to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Emily? What is your best tip in terms of that holistic health and wellness and fitness aspect that we can use during a time of imposter syndrome? I mean, broadly, just take care of yourself, you know, make sure you're doing your daily non-negotiables to keep you just as a generally healthy person. You're breathing, you're grounding, you're getting sunlight connection with nature. And, you know, of course, I would recommend strength training to build just body confidence and general confidence in your own capabilities and your own personal power in a literal sense, because that always translates into your, you know, business mentality, you know, what you're capable of doing in that way as well. And just, you know, generally keeping up with whatever self-care practices work the best for you, because Anytime we're in a state of physical unwellness, it's only going to enhance any mindset issues that we're experiencing at that point. So broadly, take care of yourself, touch nature, get strong, and those will all carry over into helping you get through imposter syndrome. That's so beautiful. I'm so glad you mentioned the self-care too, because for whatever reason, and I think like, that's why I hate the word sink or swim, because it feels like a struggle and like, you just got to let the health, your health go and sacrifice for no, no, achieving that's the, the last thing that's you should do. <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. It's like when you're mentioning the self-care and like your foundations of getting grounded and mm -hmm. that like 
speaks to that resolving that primal response to fear. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's all of that fear, that fight or flight is all sympathetic nervous system mediated. So any of those self-care practices that help you go, go gadget, parasympathetic nervous system. So that's kind of your rest and digest modality. So your breathing, your yoga, your meditation, whatever of those things work for you to activate the parasympathetic nervous system will help bring you back down. Yeah, that's so important. And we were just talking about this morning in in my workout too, is the importance of breath work. And I never realized before how much I don't breathe when I'm like, it's like, I forget to breathe. When you're not intentionally breathing. Yeah. Yes. And it, and it makes you feel terrible. Like it does make you feel like you're drowning when you're Mm -hmm. not breathing. Well, in certain parts of our body too, what are considered like non-vital when we're literally not breathing deeply enough will not get oxygen perfused to the, you know, the, the body will intentionally start shunting blood to the more vital, (laughs) to the more vital organs. And so, yeah, that's just a setup for not being able to, to manage it very well. Can Mm -hmm. you recognize body cues in someone when they're operating under stress? Like, are you able, do you see anything that appears in any of your clients or just when you're walking out and about that? Um, I mean, sometimes it's, it's visually obvious. I would say a lot of times it's more of a, an intuitive sense or just kind of a factor of, you know, knowing the person and sensing that something's off because so many of us, you know, walk around in this sort of just chronically stressed state. And so maybe we're not even exhibiting it outwardly in obvious ways, you know, like because we're just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> well, or, you know, like, a, and this is just an example, but like, you know, a functional alcoholic, like when someone is so used to operating under a certain state of mind, you don't even necessarily visibly notice that after a while. But like I said, it, a lot of times I can just, I can sense it, you know, in your fascia work too. Do you see that? You know, I like, even when you were talking and I saw Michelle doing it too on the screen, like we're like always stretching out that like moving our neck and just being a nurse and like doing the manual therapy and stuff. (laughs) I can't look at a human being and not do some sort of like evaluation, (laughs) you know, just on site. It's just, kind of the way it is. So, I mean, often without even thinking about it, that's like one of the first things I'll notice just because that's how I look at people. Yeah. But definitely it can play into posture and the appearance of, of the fascia and stuff like that different, especially with the, the breathing thing and, and, you know, the sort of hunched over protective look with all that compressed tissue along the front of the chest and neck. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. And then so certainly doing that. that fascial stretch therapy, you can, you can feel it. Like yeah, sometimes I'll, it. I'll do some traction and I can like feel <laughs> energy leaving the body. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Yeah. That's so valuable too. It's like, put your own mask on before you can help. Mm-hmm. Else. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, any, did we miss anything? Are there any last words before we close this one out? I really love this discussion. I think it's going to be continued, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Cause I think, uh, as it turns out, it's very, 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 very common, not just among entrepreneurs, like we were saying, but just among a lot of people, high achievers in particular. And, and I think it, if you're one of those people who hadn't yet come across the term for it, you know, it could be almost like you don't want to talk about it because you're like, if you're already in that space of like, am I good enough? What am I doing here? You're not going to necessarily want to share that. So in knowing that it's so common, I think that hopefully will open up the discussion for a lot more and for other input on ways to deal with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you, ladies. This has been an amazing discussion. And like you said, I look forward to, you know, extending this into other episodes. I do think that we'll definitely hear some form or fashion of this when we talk to our guests. And it's been nice to know that we're not alone (laughs) (laughs) and that there are ways to get through. And I just want to say thank you to you both for being a support system for me for whenever I'm feeling imposter syndrome and back at you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys. Mm -hmm. It's really wonderful and beautiful to be a part of a group that, you know, we really can share this experience with others. And I hope the listeners too feel included that they can come to us, let us know what they're experiencing, ask us some questions so we can come back and integrate that into next episodes, you know, because we really are. And we, we say this and I didn't come up with this, but I love it is we really are the stories that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. and without you guys being able to, you know, mirror back a lot of what I'm experiencing in my own life journey, I might think I'm nuts. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so I greatly appreciate you. And I hope that we are mirrored to some of the listeners out there at home. And I can't wait to hear from them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that being said, until next time, Mm -hmm. we'll talk to you in five minutes. Talk to you in five. Bye. Bye. Thank y'all so much for listening to our podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review and share with all your friends so they can join our circle of collaboration on this journey. You can find us on Instagram at Conscious Collaboration Podcast, on Spotify, iTunes, and Audible to name a few. Please join us next time for another deep dive into how you can live life in more alignment, mind, body, and business. Send us your questions and comments in our DMs or email us at consciouscollaborationpodcast at gmail.com. See you in five minutes.